don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for red hot truth injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot damn. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee. Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, Colin, and we're gonna tear you a new one. You mind? Okay, guys, so hey, welcome back to the You Mind. We are at Panels, Comic Book, and Coffee Bar in Oceanside, California, and I am here with... Hi, I'm Mr. Matt Dunford, Chairman of San Diego Comic Fest, President of Littlefish Comic Book Studio. I've been called the world's youngest comic book historian, and uh, I'm a big fan of all things comics, geeky, and just like, I'm just a big dork. Very cool. So when did you first feel your dork vibe kicking in? When did I feel my dork vibe kicking mm -hmm. in. Um, back in the day, I always used to be a very profound, um, I've, I've always had different obsessions with things over yeah. the years, but my first obsession was pirates. Okay. It was weird. As a kid, my favorite thing in the world was pirates. I loved watching Peter Pan six billion times a day, and my favorite toys to play with were Lego pirates. Mm -hmm. And the whole one of the greatest moments that you know happened for me is when my parents got me a Lego pirate set that had a comic in it, and a Lego comic in it about the Lego pirates. And of course, I think it was originally it was a Belgian comic that was okay. done there because like, or, or Lego's Danish or Belgian, I yeah. yeah, Danish. But it was included with it, and this was a, from a time mm -hmm. where it was before I could read. So I made sure that my parents read, read it for me mm -hmm. like six times a day, and they got pretty much so annoyed with me asking asking them to read it day in, day out, that they just taught me how to read, literally, so I could read this comic. <laughs> and then from there, um, my dad said, okay, he's actually reading now. Let's actually get him some children's books or something to fuel his passion. So he takes me to Toys R Us to go to the children's book section. From back in the day, there was still Toys R Us, and yes. they still had a children's book section, which was cool. Mm -hmm. But... As he was taking me along the way, he takes me down the action figure aisle, where they had this set of something. I didn't know what it was. It was the first time in my life I had seen a holographic image. And now the buses are going by, and now the buses are leaving. But So you guys are getting the ambience of Oceanside, so it's oh, yeah. very real, it's very gritty. Yeah, it's very real, yeah. very gritty, and very beautiful. So mm -hmm. the first thing I saw was a holographic image, and I went up to this thing. And it was a collection of 30 Spider-Man comics. And of course, the year was 1992, so holograms were sort of uh, sort of a gimmick to hook yeah. on kids like me at the time. So I saw this, and I believe it was Spectacular Spider-Man number 65, Ooh. and I had to have it. I just told my dad, I have to have it. And so I read those 30 Spider-Man issues, and I became hooked on this character named Spider-Man, which is still there you go. sort of a lifelong passion for me to this day. Yes. But that's where I first started getting into comic books. And then later that year... Batman Returns would come out, fueling with the Batman the Animated Series, followed by 
you know, like Darkwing Dark and the X-Men cartoon. And then my fandom went into overdrive on November 19th, 1994 with the premiere of the Spider-Man cartoon, which still hails as my favorite cartoon today. And we celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Spider-Man cartoon at San Diego Comic Fest this year. And it was absolute blast with, sh with showrunner John Semper talking about his career starting off with Jim Henson and moving to Stan Lee and and George Lucas and all these giants of the industry yeah. and of course but the, the high mark of his career that I still consider is that Spider-Man cartoon which is peak performance Spider-Man. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm very interested now Comic Fest this year uh, is going to be themed around Ray Bradbury and... Ray Bradbury and Ray Harryhausen yes. celebrating their centennials. Their centennials. Now, I, I am a big fan of both, but uh, especially Ray Harryhausen just really like was completely blown away by Dynavision, which if you're not familiar with what that is, those are the little skeletons that dance around and fight with swords that you see in the old like, yeah, Hercules. Yeah, like very, it's like the moment where mm -hmm. stop motion animation was finally refined yeah. and kind of just perfected. And just, you know, it just, you think about uh, like, claymation gurus of the time mm -hmm. what they were going through you have to go through like i mean i think it's what 60 stills to create one yeah one second and what harryhausen was doing is like how many stills was he doing per second because he was doing a lot of He's stuff doing a crazy amount he was doing yeah. a crazy amount of work plus like everything was moving just to cultivate the scenes mm -hmm. and it was just just phenomenal what he did for the world of film and for the world of special effects yeah. and just to think of how many how many giants of the industries were actually influenced by mm -hmm. what he was doing at the time. And so Ray and Ray were friends as some, as many uh, savvy geeks know. And so mm -hmm. they would always hang out at, you know, events like San Diego comic con and they actually worked together at some times. It's like, you know, even the exact title of the film is slipping me, but there was, oh, you know, the, a, the space travel, the space travel, yeah. which was a Harryhausen, which was a Bradbury story and, you know, adapted by Harryhausen. Mm -hmm. And so there is all that coming up along the way. And so we felt it was the right theme to go for this year to celebrate the history of things. And, you know, in previous years, um, this year we did 50 years of the moon landing, which yeah. for me, it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's a theme thrust upon me by our committee, and I'm like, it's not the theme I would choose, yeah. but it's one that I, you know, we're going to roll with it. But when you saw it come to life, mm -hmm. and when you really thought about it, and everything was put into motion, you saw how much the moon landing and space travel really influenced the comics and the science fiction yes. of the time. Pretty much like it gave us Star Trek, it gave us the Jetsons, it gave us, you know, so many, you know, mm -hmm. things. It gave us an entire, an entire decade influenced where even de like down to our cars were influenced by rocket ships. And so just to see how much that influenced society. So I think we made the right call with the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. of the moon landing. And it was great. Some folks from Tesla came out and NASA came out. And so that was cool. And then last year, celebrating the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. Which was um, another great theme because, you know, we couldn't believe like nobody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. The most the most prolific science fiction story. Basically, it's the story that created the concept of science fiction. Yeah. And... None of the horror conventions were doing anything. None of the science fiction conventions or literature conventions were like, you know, let's do it. We'll be the ones to do it. We Get had a blast it. doing it. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of the modern Prometheus. Uh, that that story, I think, just really touched something in me. And uh, so that was a really fun one for me. And you, you actually had uh, the, the daughter of... Uh, Frankenstein himself. Yes, we had uh, Sarah Karloff come yes. out as a special guest so for that one. And she amazing. was wonderful. She did two uh, programs with us during the event. She did 
a discussion of Boris Karloff as mm -hmm. Frankenstein for one panel. And then the other program she did was Boris Karloff as not Frankenstein, <laughs> which I found to be even more fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so when you, like, here's fun facts about him, like, wait, Boris Karloff was the narrator for How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like his career outside of Frankenstein, I felt was even more prolific, and I really, really enjoyed things. And it was great because each year at Comic Fest, one of our board members um, is a physics professor okay. at UC Santa Barbara, a guy named Roger Friedman, who's one of the original founding fathers of San Diego Comic-Con. And of course, I'm a UC Santa Barbara alumni, so oftentimes I would go into Professor Friedman's office hours and talk with him about the early years of Comic-Con. But mm -hmm. what he does for Comic Fest is he brings in a group of scientists each year that fit the theme of what we're going for. And so we get this, so it adds to the programs of seeing the science fiction meets the science fact. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite favorite panels that we've done over the years was um, last year at the Frankenstein celebration. Yes. We had our science fiction guest of honor, Nancy Kress, do a panel yes. with um, my friend Ron Coleman, who is a professor of regenerative biology. She talked about the science fiction of Frankenstein, whereas he talked about the biology and, phys and you know, physiology of actually working to make a real Frankenstein monster and the mm -hmm. plausibility of it. And Ron's biology knowledge is so great because he does panels on like Godzilla and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and talking about how this could all be brought into motion and brought to life with the science the science fiction versus the science facts. So yeah. that's all a whole lot of fun to play around with too. Yeah. That's it's just so much fun. And uh, if you guys are in the San Diego area and you haven't been to Comic Fest, you should definitely check it out. Uh, oh, we got some skateboarders coming. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, so <laughs> so it's all good. But uh, yeah, it makes it real. But uh, what I what I think is really interesting is um, the sort of the story of how Comic Fest started. Now San Diego, of course, has Comic Con. Mm -hmm. And we have WonderCon up in Anaheim. And so how did Comic Fest get started as its own entity? Comic Fest actually came around uh, 10 years ago. It started as an idea during mm -hmm. the celebration of the 40th San Diego Comic-Con. So during that convention, uh, they brought back the founding fathers of San Diego Comic-Con to celebrate the event. And they were all brought in. They rolled out the red carpet for these founding fathers, and they all were having a great time. Of course, you know, they hadn't gone to the convention in a while, and it was so nice to have everyone reconnect over this. But the thing that happened there is they started getting, you know, sort of nostalgic for the times. Mm -hmm. It's so nice getting us all back together. But, you know, the convention has grown to has grown a little bigger than we're used to. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if it was something like the old days, where if it was a small, intimate environment where mm -hmm. we could all hang out, but there's still these great comic book creators coming in. So that's where they got the idea for San Diego Comic Fest. And the first San Diego Comic Fest came to life in 2012, was the first year. During that year, uh, the, first, the first guest of honor was Murphy Anderson, the original artist of the Justice League comics. And so yeah. it's like, wow, that's... A pretty hefty hitter coming mm -hmm. in for things and you know it's it starts off you know small as conventions often do you know you take your baby steps and then you know you well you're, you know you start crawling then you take your baby steps then around year three it's like you know you're walking but by year four you're up and running yeah sorry i'm up I'm such a fan for like '90s techno rock. That's well, good. And the party like, comes yes. for yeah. party comes to you. There yeah. you go. And then, of yeah. course, by year five, that got to be the year where Comic Fest was just off the 
yeah. off the hook because that was the year where we were celebrating the centennial of Jack Kirby. Mm -hmm. And it was just the perfect show. People were just, the only thing that people were stressed about is they couldn't decide which program to attend. Do I go to the Jack Kirby centennial panel? Do I go to the 25th anniversary of the X-Men cartoon panel? There's too many good things to do. And that's a pretty good problem to have. That's an amazing problem to have. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah, I, I, I have, uh, I did notice that at Comic-Con that a lot of times it's going more towards uh, movies and things like that. And it's, it's really not as, I, I guess not as centralized as Comic Fest is. Well, the whole thing is like I wouldn't call Comic Con movie centralized focus. It's grown mm -hmm. over the years to accommodate 125,000 people That's for their true. numbers. But the thing that goes on there is just they have grown to provide more offerings. Yeah. Yes, um, for people who say, oh, Comic Con is just, you know, it's not about comics anymore. It's not about film. Well, if mm -hmm. you look at those original, original flyers from the first uh, San Diego Comic Con, guess what? The themes are comics science fiction, film. Mm -hmm. Film has been there since the first one. There you go. So people, those people questioning the Hollywood presence, mm -hmm. it's just it's, it's just a fallacy. That's the, the, yeah. It's been there since the beginning. Comic-Con has just provided offerings for everyone, mm -hmm. no matter what. If you're into comics, if you're into cartoons, if you're into movies, if you're into, you know, dressing up in armor and bashing someone ahead with oh, this upside the head with a sword. There you go. There's just something for everyone. There. There, cool. And so... You have enough stuff there. So, you know, mm -hmm. any, if you're having a bad time at Comic-Con, you're really doing it wrong because there is something for you to be entertained by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> just leave that area. Go looking. Yeah, just go find so, something else that mm -hmm. you do like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, I still uh, haven't attended Comic-Con in, in a little while, but that's only because I'm not on the list right now, and it's, it's a little harder to get in, but... Uh, I love them both, and uh, but I, I really value uh, things like Comic Fest, where it's a little bit more intimate, uh, a little smaller. Um, and what what do you think is so important about having these kind of? I mean, we we have the internet where people can connect with people who have their own unique likes and things like that. But what do you think is so important about having these conventions where people actually get to meet up in person? Well, the whole thing about convention culture is, like you said, being able to meet up in person. It's one thing to discuss online and, you know, talk about your passion. But when you're actually around other like-minded people, getting to embrace that passion, and even better yet, when you're around the people who are creating that material, it creates a, you know, much more just awesome atmosphere for that. So... One of my favorite things about Comic Fest is, you know, you invite in all these people who I called childhood heroes, and by the end of it, you're calling them friend. Yeah. You just get to hang out with them all weekend long in this small resort environment where you're getting to bump into them all the time and just spend your entire weekend with them. It's wonderful. It's so nice to have that sort of ambiance and atmosphere where it's just like, you know, you're sharing a drink with them or like, you know, you're grabbing coffee with them in the morning. You're lounging in the chairs at night, just like, you know, watching the late night movies and the small intimate atmosphere where everyone is just there. And you get to take your time with these people. You get to take your time with these legendary creators who created the, you know, projects of your youth. Mm-hmm. And it's so much fun, and you can just have a time to ask them questions and relax with them. Because, you know, in the bigger conventions, when there's a lot of people, there's a lot of hustle and bustle. Everyone is on the move. Everyone yeah. has to go somewhere. Because, like I said, in those bigger conventions, always too many things to do. And standing in one spot at a bigger convention, it gets kind of hard to do because you feel the pressure to move and see things and do these things. Yeah. Not like, it's not like it can't, but sometimes when like a flow of like you know 40 people comes your way you kind of feel pressured so we don't we'd like to take the pressure off and 
And, you know, we have nothing but love for Comic-Con and bigger sure. conventions. But it's nice to afford the different kind of convention for the different kind of fans that may not like the bigger approach. I mean, it's like, you know, give them a few years, they can adjust for it. But it's nice to be able to dip your toes in on the shallow end before you take the deep plunge. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, that, that's been my experience with going to conventions and meeting the artists. As a comic book artist myself, uh, it's really inspiring because you sort of get the idea that this person is a lofty and above you and some like some kind of a magical entity that you could never aspire to that level. I think I met Daniel Brenton. Uh, or Breton, uh, who does the Nocturnals series, uh, and like every frame is a painting, more yeah. or less, and just somebody who I was like, oh my god, I can't believe you're like here at this table just talking to me, and then I was just like, you know what, that's what you do, you, you put it out there, you're a regular person, they're a regular person, they just kept moving. It's... Forward. It's a, it's a it's a weird thing because you know you want to try to contain your inner fanboy when yeah. this happens, but then you realize that wait these people who I revere as gods, they're actually people. Yeah, and they're actually people. It's like I can't believe it. It's like we at this year at San Diego Comic Fest year you know day one, I I go to the bar after after party and there's these dudes there. They've uh, had a few and they're saying it's like oh my god I just got to hang out with. <laughs> I, I just got to hang out with Sergio Aragonis today, yeah. the world's greatest living cartoonist. Mm -hmm. This is this is phenomenal, man. I can't believe it's like I've come halfway across the country and I've already had like the best day of my life. I'm like, guys, it's going to get better. It's like, no, dude, it's not getting better than this. It's getting better. It's getting better. Mm -hmm. I saw those guys again on Sunday. It's like, you were right. It got better and better and better every day. And we don't want to get back on our plane tonight to go back halfway yeah. across the country. We had such a good time. Each day got better. We got to meet so many more people. We got to have so many great times. And we are coming back again next year. I mean, we had people coming from Australia. We had people oh, wow. coming from South Africa to this convention. It's like, amazing. It's like, I could not believe how like people were you know, going so far out of their way to come to Comic Fest just to enjoy the atmosphere that we provide. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Now, talking about that atmosphere, coming up, what are some of the guests and events that are going to be there, if, if you can give us a few spoilers? Okay, I certainly can give you a few spoilers because I'm happy <laughs> to announce things. Um, as you might know, last year we had Sergio Aragonis as yes. our guest of honor. The world's greatest living cartoonist. Mm -hmm. Each year, I try to create a better and better convention for, for the fans. But Sergio Aragonis is a tough act to follow. Yeah, yeah. How do you top <laughs> the world's greatest living cartoonist? And so I'm thinking, who would I want to be the guest of honor? So after the passing of artist Steve Ditko last year, yeah. there simply wasn't... It became a debatable subject of who is the world's greatest living comic artist? Because... You could just easily just say, oh, Ditko. But after he passed, it became a debatable topic. Mm. I could probably narrow it down to three people mm -hmm. of who would be considered the world's greatest living comic artist. Yeah. Of those three people, two of them would point to this other one guy. And I asked that one guy if he would be our guest of honor. Artist Bill Sienkiewicz oh, wow. is our guest of honor for the 2020 <laughs> San Diego Comic Fest. I am absolutely blown away. That's because crazy. Because I don't know a soul alive who does not 
appreciate the work of Bill. Mm -hmm. That has not seen his evolution from doing stories like Moon Knight in the early 1980s, and then finding his own style in the mid-1980s, doing stuff like like New Mutants and the Demon Bear Saga and the Warlock Saga, and then eventually gravitating up to like you know mind-blowing stories like Electra. And it's just... And the man has kept it going. He has been doing this for 40 years, and he is still an industry giant. Yeah. In fact, this year at San Diego Comic-Con, Bill Sienkiewicz was inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame. And, like, wow. In mm -hmm. fact, the other, the other, two of the other people inducted in the Eisner Hall of Fame that night are also special guests at San Diego Comic Fest. Wendy and Richard Peeney, the creative geniuses behind ElfQuest, yeah. which has been going on for... 41 years now. Wow. <laughs> I know it's been a And does not stop going. I mean, they've been doing it since <laughs> the late 70s. It has literally so. jumped around from every single comic publisher around, and they keep it going. And it's still amazing. It's still addictive. I just, you know, you can, you know, when I start picking up ElfQuest stories, mm -hmm. I'm just like reading them and reading them and reading It's like, I want to stop. I want to stop. But it's like, <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's too addictive. Yeah. And they have been so gracious in accepting a guest of, a guest, special guest, ex to as the show and they told me yes like y'all we would love to we've heard nothing but great things about the show and mm -hmm. we've heard it's a great atmosphere and of course we love the theme because harry Housen and bradbury was such influences on our work as well yeah. so they're joining us again and other artists coming on board mr liam sharp who you might know from wonder woman the current mm -hmm. artist on green lantern he's done a lot of prolific film and design work and he's also the CEO of Made Fire, the digital comic company, he is coming back to the show again. It's been a little while. He was one of those guys who uh, joined us, and we're happy to have him back on board. He's been doing some mind-blowing work on Green Lantern right now, which I believe is actually DC's number one selling book at the moment. But they're just you know pairing up with Grant Morrison, so there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. And on the science fiction side of things, now I have to admit I'm not the biggest science fiction buff in the entire world. Mm -hmm. I'm the comic book guy. But I was thinking this year, if I were to invite a science fiction guest of honor, who would I want it to be? So I kind of just called him out of the blue and said, would you like to be the science fiction guest of honor as we celebrate the centennial of Bradbury and Harryhausen? And this guy, despite being an industry giant, said, you want me to stand on the backs of giants? <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. Mr. J. Michael Straczynski nice. is our science fiction guest of honor creator of Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. He's on comics like The Amazing Spider-Man. I should say, Eisner Award-winning Amazing Spider-Man yes. by J. Michael Straczynski. Eisner nominated Thor. He also scripted the Thor film that came out. He also was the main architect alongside the Wachowskis for the Netflix series Sense8. He's got a new uh, New York Times bestseller coming out, uh, Becoming Superman, his autobiography. He also did the number one New York Times selling graphic novel, Superman Earth One. And even during my youth, I didn't even realize he wrote so many of the cartoons that I was watching. He was a, he was a writer for He-Man. He was a writer for for Ghost, the Ghostbusters cartoon. And it's just like, it's the kind of work that he has done over the years, and including like the 1980s Twilight Zone revival, he doesn't. He does a lot of amazing work, and so I'm really happy to have him mm -hmm. on board because you know I'm happy to call him my favorite writer. It's just like what he did on Amazing Spider-Man mm -hmm. in the early 2000s during his seven-year run was just absolutely mind-blowing. It just showed me what Spider-Man really could be, and I have no 
I have no qualm with saying that his run on Amazing Spider-Man is my absolute favorite of them all. And trust mm -hmm. me, I've read them all. Very nice. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, no, I, uh, gosh, I love Spider-Man. I guess um, my, my favorite when I was younger was uh, Batman, and I largely got into that because Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. hard not to get into Batman because of Batman the Animated Series yeah. and the Tim Burton films at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always do like celebrating different themes of stuff along the way. Um, ideally, I would like to do a Spider-Man panel where I talk with Straczynski, and I also talk with another repeat offender that we bring back every year, Mr. John Semper, who's the creator of the Spider-Man animated Spider series. Yes. And so he's like, John comes every year. He says it's his favorite convention to go to, and he just has such a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. um, other guests that we've got along the way, we're bringing in Mr. Marv Wolfman, who's one of the most industry, industry's most recognized writers. You might know him as the co-creator of Blade, the Vampire yes. Hunter, and the guy who spearheaded new Teen Titans in back in the early 1980s and we will be celebrating 40 years of new Teen Titans because it's like, it's hard to believe yeah. it's been that long since new Teen Titans started between mm -hmm. between Wolfman and Perez and so it's just wonderful just to see all this stuff come in also uh, there's another theme that we want to celebrate back on board um, Miss Trixie Roth who is actually the widow of the late Big Daddy Roth who created Rat Fink. Yeah. <laughs> she will be attending the show to talk about her late husband's work and, of course, all the Rat Fink projects that mm -hmm. still thrive to this day. All the artwork and all the hot rods and how oh, that yeah. influenced so much on cartooning. And so we're really happy that, that's her, that she's coming back on board for it. Mr. Bill Stout, who you might know for doing concept art for like every movie in the 1980s. Yeah. He's done murals all over the place, even at the San Diego Nat Natural History Museum and the San Diego Zoo. It's like, I was looking at murals at the San Diego Zoo just like last month after Comic-Con. I'm like, is that a Bill Stout? It's a Bill Stout. Oh, nice. And the man's 50-year <laughs> career is just so insane and so prolific. It's just like, he's, it's just like seeing his work all over. He did a lecture at the Natural History Museum talking about how he was one of the first guests at the first San Diego Comic-Con back 50 years ago. And then he would he went on showing, he's like, yeah, here's the artwork I did for for uh, Eric Clapton back in the 70s for his album. Like, what? And it's like, here's when I took the trip to Antarctica in 1991 for National Geographic, and I did, I did artwork of the glaciers. I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing. It's like, yeah. it's just so much of his career that you couldn't even know. And he's, he is such a huge... Bradbury and Harryhausen fan, and so cool. he is incredibly enthusiastic about that. Yes, and he is always the first guy to sign himself up for being on a special guest. He's such a nice, <laughs> wonderful guy. That's amazing. Um, also, on the animation side, if you're uh, a big fan of Thundar the Barbarian, oh, yeah. GI Joe, Transformers, Tiny Toon Adventures, or Batman the Animated Series, Mr. Buzz Dixon is coming back. Buzz, come on, Buzz is the yeah. man. He wrote just about every single '80s cartoon that we grew up on. Yes. So, yeah, he is he is the man. That's exciting. And then uh, we are also excited to bring back Disney legend Mr. Floyd Norman, who is the first black animator at Walt Disney Studios. I mean, the man spent a decade working with Walt Disney. That's Not crazy. a whole lot of folks can say they did that. No, no. The first project he got started on was Sleeping Beauty in 1956. Yeah. And the man loves coming to our convention. That's crazy. And get into his panels and programs early because they are always a sold-out crowd. And yeah. so those are absolutely wonderful. And there's a friend of mine who is who is coming to the show as well. Mm -hmm. I mentioned, as you might tell, I'm a very big Spider-Man fan. There's a guy who came on the fly to the show last year. 
by the name of Mr. Mark Ditko, and he's coming back as a special guest this year. Mark is the nephew of Spider-Man co-creator Steve Ditko. Yeah. And after Ditko passed, it's just he was not known for you know going out into the public too much. He was a very private person, so he never really gave interviews or stuff like that. And so after he passed away, I just felt like there's this void in the world, and now we'll never know these things. But Mark Ditko is actually taken up over the Ditko archives. And recently at San Diego Comic-Con, he's actually made the announcement that there will be some more Ditko books talking about some unseen work and collected editions of projects that hadn't been done, which are actually going to be coming out through local comic publisher IDW on mm -hmm. things. And so I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. And I'm actually, and I'm so happy that he is coming on board as a special guest to yeah. talk about his uh, late great uncle, who I had nothing but respect for because I am, it's just Ditko work. I can just never get enough of it. Yeah. Uh, other people coming on board, uh, Mr. Jim Kruger, who is a you know wonderful comic writer of such stories as Justice, the Earth X trilogy, and Project Superpowers. And he's a wonderfully nice guy, and so I'm so happy that he is coming on board for things. Also, I did mention IDW. Their president, Mr. Chris Ryle, actually, should I say, president, publisher, and creative chief officer, coming back for another visit. And IDW has been going through some shakeups, and ever since he was put into the role, and those old three roles, that I should say, he has been seeing overseeing things, and so now we're seeing like Lock and Key turned into a Netflix series. I'm we're so seeing excited for Usagi that. <laughs> Ojimbo over at IDW now, yeah. and there's so many great books coming. I mean, they've got a New York Times number one bestseller, and uh, they called us Enemy, the childhood biography of of George Takei when he was in the concentration camps, yeah. and, uh, internment camps. Sorry, yes. careful with my yes. wording. <laughs> um, but you know, he is coming back, and it's nice to see IDW just so you know, so on the upswing of things. And it's just like, you know, this guy's not a contact. He's a friend. He's just mm -hmm. what happens when a guy who truly loves comics gets to be in the position of power and really knows how to make it better. And there's nobody better suited for the role at the top of IDW than Chris Ryle. Nice. And then uh, some other folks coming on along the way. We're always happy to bring back comic creator Scott Shaw, yeah. who you might know as the co-creator mm -hmm. of... Captain Carrot. Yes. He's the creator of the Oddball Comic Show that you might see at Comic-Con every year, and of course Comic Fest, and he does his dirty late-night edition for it too, so that's a whole lot of fun too. So Scott has pretty much been a designer for animation of toys or anything. It's like there, I, there's no field of geeky stuff that Scott <laughs> Shaw's work has not got his tentacles and everything. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Well actually as of late he's got his new, uh, his new rat fink foot Oh, stamped cool. on everything, <laughs> so now that's, uh, that's all good there. But it's going to be a Exciting. wonderful... Wonderful show. Yeah. And I'm really happy with the guest list, and that was barely scratching the surface of the people coming on mm -hmm. board. And at the heart of it, we like to provide a lot of great programming. We would like we also provide a great artist alley, but also this year we're expanding because the hotel is giving us a little more room to move, and we've expanded into a small press area for the comic writers oh, cool. and you know for those who own their own imprints, so they can have an area as well. And that's being spearheaded by a local writer named Travis Rivas, who... Oh, okay. um, he's an ancient alien. Yeah, he's an or, ancient alien. Oh, no. Accidental alien. Acc yeah. I always mess that up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mess it up, too. Yeah. He's, uh, so Travis is taking is taking that on, and he is uh, coming forward. We just made the announcement recently at our meeting on Sunday. And honestly, because when it comes to independent comics in this town, nobody hustles harder than Travis Rivas. Yeah. He, what he's been doing with his super-abled comics, with mm -hmm. the accidental alien... Anthology, and of course, uh, this, and of course, his uh, 
creator own series, The Unstoppable Cherub, yes. and his activism work with the Lucky Finn Project for individuals born limb different. It's just been, we couldn't think of a better guy for the job of it, and everyone is so happy that he has got the part, and I think he's going to be doing a great job representing the independent writers of San Diego. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, a big fan of his work, and uh, I, I actually own, I think, the first two Unstoppable Cherub books, and that was a series that really just changed everything for me. It's just uh, the kind of series that uh, I, I, I really like that we're seeing a lot more diverse characters in, in comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what do you think, what are some changes that you're seeing in comics that you're liking and, and then contrary-wise, changes you're seeing that are frustrating to you? Um, you know, I don't like to be the guy that's that voices a whole lot of negativity uh -huh. in comics and whatnot. So like, I do like to embrace the positive side of things. I mean, um, if I don't like something, I just won't read it. And right. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, speak ill of things that I don't like. But things that I do like, um, I do like uh, the momentum that we're seeing from independent creators. Because, mm -hmm. you know, one of my own issues that I see a lot of, pardon the comic pun, is that, you know, there's just too many superhero comics. And of yeah. course, I do love superheroes, but I think it just needs to be, you know, dialed back a bit and focus on just making the ones that we have you know, just great for the characters. And of course, I mean, there'll be some points in time where I fall off of Marvel and DC again, but it's like, I'm actually at a point where I'm reading the most Marvel that I've been reading in a decade. And me as a Spider-Man reader, I had kind of fallen through the wayside um, over the past decade following the run of J. Michael Straczynski because I just felt it wasn't my thing. But I'm back on board on Spider-Man now with Nick Spencer uh, doing that on, and then Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man by Tom Taylor, which I should be, I think I, it should actually just be renamed to Friendly Neighborhood Aunt May, because she is the real star <laughs> of that story, yeah. you know, actually dealing with her struggles of having breast cancer on mm -hmm. that. And you see what a badass Aunt May is, yeah, and still absolutely. trying to help out despite having this terrible disease. And it's a rough, tragic tale, but it just shows you the neighborhood that Spider-Man lives in, and just taking to a small area, and literally making it Friendly Neighborhood and making it work for some incredible storytelling. Um, other stories I'm really enjoying right now is like, you know, Farmhand by Rob Guillory, who is on Chew. Um, seeing stuff on the comedic side, mm -hmm. and it works. Sort of semi-comedic, semi-scary, semi-storytelling. I like seeing some funny books in there. Mm -hmm. I do see some things. I mean, there are some not-so-good things that I don't like. I mean, I don't really like that Mad Magazine is coming to ways. I understand it's a lot of higher up decisions now that Warner Brothers has been acquired by AT&T and all that coming in there. So, yeah, it's just, um, you know, I'm sad to see the usual gang of idiots, but they've had a great run over the past 70 years. And so yeah. I know that, you know, the story, it'll, Mad will still be around in some way, shape, or form and reprints or backages, but it's just like, you know, I'm going to... I was I was liking the mad shakeup that came in last year when Bill Morrison took the reins of the company as editor in chief, and I was really enjoying that. Um, but you know, otherwise, I'm just you know very happy with the comics I'm reading. It's like I'm even reading a Marvel big event. I'm reading Absolute Carnage. I never thought I would actually be reading big events. I was kind of just I felt like big events were kind of oversaturated, mm -hmm. but this one I feel is really well done. And of course, I read creator-owned stuff. I'm really enjoying young adult books, those Scholastic stuff, the Raina Tegelmeyer stuff. It's like that stuff gets addictive because yeah. you pay ten bucks for one. It's like, oh, I got to read the next one. Now I got to read the next one. Now I got to read the next. One. And it's like you realize, 
I just got myself 70 bucks in the hole yeah. from these kids' books that get, like, really addictive. And, of course, I'm really happy to see so many community events going on in town, uh, you know, whether they, whether they be at the Comic-Con Museum, which is, you know, doing a lot of these wonderful trial events until they, you know, get officially up and running. And then they have uh, the San Diego Festival of Books coming up this Saturday, where you see, so, and it's nice to see that, so many cartoonists and graphic novelists and science fiction authors being featured at this event and just being represented in this community. And I like, you know, that so many comic creators here that are just starting off as independent publishers are getting some books out there. And I love to see that. I love to see local comic stores like here at Panels mm -hmm. and Now or Never Comics downtown and Southern California Comics and Nowhere Games and Comics and... and Places like Verbatim Books and Mysterious Galaxy, yeah. that they are taking a chance on these independent creators and stocking their books on the shelves and giving them an avenue to be successful comic creators and reach out, you know, despite, you know, maybe not even needing a contract with a major distributor or something like, but they're just, you know, being represented on these independent creator and local author sections. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. Uh, I was in Mysterious Galaxy. Uh, I, I was actually on their independent author shelf for a little while. And what I love about that and what I love about the change in the industry is that uh, it's no longer shaped by what is commercially salient. Um, you, you don't have to you know, pander to a certain audience. Your audience will find you. And if you, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the, in the public eye and uh, putting yourself in front of the right people. Yeah, just... Keep creating. Mm -hmm. And it might seem like an uphill battle, but there are people out there that you know, prove it can be done. People like Travis Rivas and mm -hmm. you know, the, his rest of the crew of the Accidental Aliens. People like Keith and Jones of Kid Comics. And it's nice to see so many of these great creators coming out and about and just showing their stuff and just you know, getting out there. And of course, like I mentioned, I also work with uh, students at Little Fish Comic Book yeah. Studio who are aspiring comic book creators themselves, whether they want to be writers, whether they want to be artists. And I'm just a little emotional this week because a young man named Adrian Perez, who I've worked with at Little Fish over the past six years, he just left this week to go to an art college. Oh, wow. I've been working with the kids since he was 11. It's amazing. And now he's off to college, and I'm like, you know, I'm getting so used to seeing him every week, and now he's like, he's, he's gone. He's, he's left me. He's off on his own now. Well, congratulations, Mr. Perez. Yeah. Yeah, Adrian is a, he's a, he's a great guy, and I know he's going to go far. I've, all, I've often said that Adrian could be the greatest comic book creator if he could just focus and get his act together. Mm. And now it's gone the part where we're not, we weren't geeking out so much, but he was actually just, you know, focusing and fixating on his artwork and making it as good as can be. It's one of those be careful what you wish for things yeah. because now he finally is becoming that comic career I always knew he had it in him to be. Very cool. And it's great because he's already come out with some zine stuff um, that he's been working with uh, with a lot of one of our instructors. Um, uh, more buses. Yeah. He's, our, he's already uh, coming out with a... Uh, with a uh, self-published comic with uh, one of the Little Fish comic book studio instructors named Mario Torres and it's like verbatim books is already offered to stock this one it's printed in their local author section it's like it's nice that the community is being so supportive of independent comic creators and comic creator students for that matter as well just love comics and support them in any form you can mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now I uh, Little Fish is really interesting to me because I have nieces uh, one of whom is starting to get very interested in comics and creativity and things like that. 
Um, now, how can kids who want to get involved with Little Fish, uh, how can they start doing that? Well, I would just say, come in on a Saturday morning and check out a class. There's a, you can take a free demo class. See what you want. Meet some of our instructors. Meet our executive director, Alonzo Nunez, who is, of course, a graduate of the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. So he studied under Phil Jimenez, Klaus Jansen, David Mazzucchelli, just to name a few, cool. in order to learn comic book storytelling. And, you know, there are a lot of avenues for comic storytelling, but I know that many of them aren't, aren't exactly that accessible to an audience out there. So... Um, it's nice that have it's nice to have a cheaper alternative that caters to all ages. Mm -hmm. So whether you want to learn to do superhero stories, whether you want to draw manga, whether you want to draw web comics or Sunday strips, there are digital art classes. There are you know inking classes, penciling classes, writing classes, that sort of thing to get it in you of what it takes to be competitive in the creative scene. So. It's nice to see these students, you know, working hard to create their own comics or improve their storytelling. Maybe they want to get into a niche where they're just drawing covers or actually doing concept art or whatever. But it's mm -hmm. preparing them for careers in the field. Yeah, that's great. That's I think that's what I wish that I had when I was <laughs> younger. It was uh, more just like, no, just pick a major and not art. That kind of thing. So <laughs> Trust me, I know. I'm an anthropology major. Yeah, so. yeah. So I'm qualified to be unemployed in every academic discipline. <laughs> about there too yeah so okay great now if people um want to keep up on comic fest and little fish and all the projects that you're working on what is the best way that they can get in touch and check it out well you know just find us on our facebook pages you know san diego comic fest uh you know or on instagram at sd comic fest um or just check out Little Fish Comic Book Studio on Instagram, on Twitter, also on Facebook. They're all there. Um, for more details on the event, uh, just check out www.sdcomicfest.org. Make sure that's .org. And uh, check out our wonderful guest list. Uh, check out the hotel and the amenities offered for a wonderful weekend. Remember, San Diego Comic Fest is coming up March 5th to the 8th, 2020. Yes. And, you know, go by your local comic stores. You know, check out SoCal Comics. So check out... You know, nowhere games and comics. Check out now or never. Mm -hmm. Come here to panels and get some coffee and you know cold brew and all that sort of thing. The people here are ever support your comic book community. Also, go to your libraries. You know, across the street we have the Oceanside Library. They're a big graphic novel supporter with their with their library director Amy Clement. Check out the graphic novel library selection at at the Chula Vista Library. There's all over. There's so many great supporters. And of course, don't feel you know. Don't feel shy about going to other local comic events. You know, we're going to have Philippine X Comics Fest, which is oh, going to nice. put by local comic creator Scott Lost and uh, podcaster Aaron Nabus. Uh, they're putting that together to showcase Filipino comic creators. Also, don't forget about Black Comics Day coming up at Balboa Park, put on by Keith and Jones of Kid Comics. That's in February. So, you know, support these events, support these creators, and just have fun with comics. All right. And before I let you go, I do want to have a, a wee little announcement at... Uh, Creeping Wave and the You Mind, uh, the podcasts that we do here, they are going to be, uh, we're going to be a panel, actually, at uh, Comic Fest. Yay! <laughs> oh, yes, you know, I think it would be really cool to uh, get all the local podcasters in to talk about how to podcast, how to grow your audience, how to showcase comic creators, because let's not forget, sometimes you can get introduced to these comic creators via podcast, and it's important to keep the discussion alive. And it's really cool, and it's really nice to see, you know, certain individuals, you know, dedicating themselves to drive 45 minutes up from Normal Heights to Oceanside to get these podcasts in. And But some people just like to talk, don't they? Ah, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so very excited about that. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to get a couple of my actors to come in and join me on that so we can talk about kind of our experience with it. And uh, yeah, so it should be good. And so look forward to more news about that. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here. All right. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much you, for Matt. having me. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey everybody, special thanks to Matt Dunford of the San Diego Comic Fest, and that is coming up here March 5th through the 8th. That's March 5th through 8th, 2020, in case you're listening in the future. You can check out more info at sdcomicfest.org. Make sure you do the .org. That part's important. And if you love comics, I'm doing a comic for Horrorgasm. I'm doing part of an anthology. A bunch of amazing San Diego comic book artists and writers are going to be participating in this. So please, oh please, do go to HorrorgasmSD.com to check that out. It's going to be happening October 26th. It's an art show dedicated to horror and all things creepy and spooky, and you're going to love it. It's going to be at Queen Bee's Arts and Cultural Center in North Park, California. So go ahead to that website. Go buy your tickets. Go check it out. I'm going to be there. You can come by and say hi. It's going to be amazing. The You Mind theme song is Demilitarized Zone by Ethan Maxell. And one cool thing you can do is follow us on all of our social media. The links are going to be down below wherever you're listening to. Uh, I could read them off, but then it's it's kind of harder for you to listen and type them in and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, I got comics, I got art, I got uh, podcasts, all sorts of good stuff. But you know, most importantly, thank you for listening and thank you for watching if you're checking this out on YouTube. And thanks... To our patrons, The Gramerica Show and Nikki Benfield. We couldn't do it without you guys. Love you. Bye.